Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 at verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Amen. Let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to give you the glory this morning for the person that you are and the things that you have done. Lord, we look out at the creation, especially on this beautiful island, and Lord, we just see your majesty, we see your artistic touch. Lord, we do just thank you as we look at your word that we see your faithfulness. Lord, we see your care, your love, your compassion. And Lord, we thank you for that amazing gift of your son, of you, Father, being willing to part with him, to solve a problem that no one and nothing else could solve, the problem of the sin of the world. Lord, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were willing to leave glory, a step that you had never taken before, and willing to come to this earth to be our saviour and to experience a death and a punishment that should have been ours. Lord, today we want to hear your voice. We want to hear it as we sing and we want to hear it as we pray. We want to hear it as we read your word and as we think about it. Lord, we thank you that your word assures us that the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Lord, how we just thank you. And we know that there are people, that there are possibly people in our meeting today or listening online or on the telephone who just know this very experience of coming from a life of just sin and degradation and yet been lifted out of that and coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, his forgiveness and a promise of glory. Lord, we thank you for everyone that's come to see you, come to know you, whatever the circumstances. And Lord, we just long for you to draw more and more people to yourself. Lord, we thank you for this gathering today. Thank you for people who are visiting. Thank you for everybody listening on whatever platform. And also we thank you that we are part of a worldwide enormous family. And we thank you for our brothers and sisters. Lord, we ask your forgiveness that sometimes we who identify as Christians, we do things that are not worthy of you. We thank you. We, we just pray today for your forgiveness and especially times when we think things that should not be in our minds and we say things that we wish we hadn't bothered to say. Lord, we confess our faults. We confess that we can be so lukewarm. We, your people, who love you and want to honour you in everything that we do. 
Lord, we want to just pray for this congregation. How we thank you that you have set it up here in Tarbert. And Lord, we long that more and more people from this local area would start to come to hear your message and to hear about you. Lord, we pray for people in this congregation that are struggling in any way. Struggling with illness, perhaps long-term illness. Struggling with older age. Struggling with um, perhaps divorce or just isolation. Lord, so many reasons. For those who have been bereaved, draw close to them, we would ask. Lord, and equally we pray for those who are struggling in our community. Lord, that people here in this church, perhaps their neighbours, their friends, perhaps people they hardly know, but Lord, that you would reach out through them in their struggle. Lord, once again, we just thank you for the ministry that goes on here in so many different ways. So many different people that you use in different, different ways. And Lord, we do just thank you for David's ministry here. And we do just ask that you would bless him in his time away so that he would be refreshed, ready to come back and to carry on his ministry in word and his ministry as a pastor too. Lord, we, we do just thank you for all the initiatives that go on in this church. Thank you for the prayer gatherings, the young people's work, the, the, peop- the, the tiny tots that meet. And thank you for all of the people that are so involved in that. Lord, we thank you for the Keswick Convention that's just finished week one and goes on to tomorrow to week two. Lord, would you bless all of those who meet And thank you for their motto there, that in spite of our different denominations, in spite of our different background and intellect and all the rest, that people who gather who are yours, they are all one in Christ Jesus. And may we too, in this building and on the various platforms, experience that too today, that togetherness. Lord, there are things on our minds that... um, possibly nobody else knows about. Lord, there are sometimes difficulties that we haven't expressed to other people. Lord, we do just ask in a moment of silence that we can just bring them individually to you. And Father, how glad we are that you are a hearer of prayer. You hear, you listen, and you answer according to your will. And we wouldn't have it any other way. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Right, let me pray for you. Our Father, we do just thank you that you love us so much. That you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die for each one of us. And Lord, we do just thank you that there are times when we find decisions very difficult. And we pray, if we're yours, that you will direct us. Lord, we do just thank you that we know we've done wrong things. And we do just ask that we would ask you, we would say sorry and ask you to forgive us. And Lord, we just thank you for your love towards us and that you love each of these boys and girls. We just ask that you be with them, those who go to Sunday school and those who sit through the service. And we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you very much indeed. Our reading today is from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and we're starting at verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, 
that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will always have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you, again your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Amen. And may God bless the reading of his. If you could go back to your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, we were starting our reading at verse 12. Paul is writing from prison. And prison is supposed to deal with a problem. And for some people, it deals with the problem very well. I've met quite a number of people who, for some reason or other in their past, they've been in prison. But some of these very people have actually, at a later date, come to Christ, come to him in faith and to know, to know his forgiveness. But going to prison doesn't always work. And it certainly didn't in Paul's case. They meant to stop him speaking about Jesus but it had the opposite effect and more. Look what we see in verses, verse 12 onwards. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In the Message Bible, it puts that, it's, it's a paraphrase, but it puts it this way. They gave me a pulpit. 
The message went out to people who would never otherwise have heard. They reckon there were 9,000 people in the Praetorian Guard. Of course, Paul wouldn't have seen all 9,000 of them, but he would have seen a huge amount of these people. And there he was, his opportunity to tell people about Jesus. People who would have never had any other chance, probably, to hear. Then there was people in Rome who heard. And isn't it amazing just how this message got out? And this was before we had Facebook and Twitter and all the other ways we have today of getting messages out quickly and getting them out far and wide. Here he was in prison, but yet had a massive congregation. Paul was given great publicity, or rather, Jesus was given great publicity. And the other thing about this particular situation was it encouraged fellow believers in their evangelism. Paul definitely saw his imprisonment as appointed by God to bring the gospel to the epicenter of the Roman Empire and to give him time to write his letters. And isn't it amazing that these letters that Paul wrote, they are still being used today. Isn't it all these years later, his message is still being used. The messenger might be in chains But God can never be chained. I was recently and just I came across the motto for the Sutherland family. And the motto is in French and it's sans peur, translated without fear. I.e. there would be this trust. And this was like Paul. He could have been a Sutherland having this motto without fear, as we just read in this short passage that we read today. He's trusting in God. I wonder, the Lord put Paul in all sorts of different places, all sorts of different scenarios. And that's exactly, if we're Christians here today or listening in, that's exactly what the Lord has done for us. He's put some of us in the shop. He's put some of us in the office, in a school, in the factory, at the pier, in the community, in the bed and breakfast, wherever we might be. Why? Why as Christians to be in these different places? To be a witness in word and in contact, in, in conduct. Every time we come to God's word, whether it's publicly like this or whether it's privately at home, three things to think about. What do we learn about God? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What do we learn about the people we're dealing with? Paul, the Praetorian Guard, the other Christians, those that are in our passage today. And what do we learn about ourselves? What is God saying to us individually and as a congregation? Paul's joy is not tied to his circumstances. And it's not tied to our circumstances either if we're Christians. It's what we do with our circumstances. It's, it was the same with Joseph that we looked at last week. Here was Joseph in all sorts of dire circumstances and yet he was aware of God being with him. Isn't it amazing? Here is Paul in prison. 
Here is his liberty has been, has been stopped. And here he is, he is rejoicing. And you think, how can he rejoice? And how can we rejoice in our circumstances? Often it's the last thing we feel like. And yet we're not necessarily rejoicing in our circumstances. There are circumstances that, of course, we do rejoice in. We do rejoice in in marriage. We rejoice in a new baby. We rejoice in new homes and all sorts of things. But there are times where our circumstances are very different. But we rejoice that whatever our circumstances, God is sovereign. He is in control. And Paul rejoices no matter the cost. Philippians is known as the joy letter. The concept of joy or rejoicing is mentioned 16 times in these short four chapters. I always think it's good we've just dipped into this book today, but it's good to see the context of this for yourselves, to read this this week, next week, at a later date. All four chapters doesn't take us too long. And later on in the book, we find Paul's secret. If you have your Bible there, look with me at chapter 4 and at verse 11. Chapter 4 and verse 11, and just breaking into that verse about halfway through, Paul says, For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul's secret and our secret too as Christians. There is, of course, a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is when we unwrap a gift, when we chat to a friend, either face-to-face or on the phone, or unbridled laughter or an exotic holiday. But joy is, for the Christian, is that confident assurance of God's love for us and what he has done in our lives, and that he will be there no matter what, and that there is a glorious future with him. Friends of ours... um, Friends of ours met in a special way. They met on the internet. Now, lots of people these days meet on the internet. But their meeting was a bit different. One was living in the States, and one was living in England. The one living in the States was contacting her brother, Stephen Barton, and... By mistake, she must have had the wrong dot or the wrong comma, but she got Stephen Barton in Birmingham and not her own brother. But Stephen Barton thought, oh, this is quite interesting, just chatting to an American for a change. And then they realised they were both Christians, and that became more and more fascinating. Well, to cut a long story short, short, joy and 
uh, Stephen have now been married for a good number of years and they have two kids and they have just moved from Inverness he has moved as a pastor to London and I was thinking about the joy that there would have been excuse the word joy with her name being joy but the joy that there would have been in them meeting face to face for the very first time and that got to us, me to imagine what would it be like for us For those of us who are Christians, and maybe we've been Christians for a very long time, or maybe we've been Christians just recently, or maybe we've still to make that step. I don't know your situation. But that joy when we see our Saviour face to face, what joy that will be. Now for Paul, there is a very real possibility that he would face death in his situation. And yet he realises whether there's going to be deliverance from the prison, released, or whether there's going to be death. For Paul, it's a win-win situation. Now for for us, here here is Paul trapped, in a sense, in prison. Although we can see that in some ways he's not trapped at all. But we too can be trapped in the circumstances that we face possibly face right now i don't know what circumstances you have but it can be there can be discouragement there can be all sorts of decisions we've made that have been not good ones there's finance family situations illness bereavement addictions and we know that god has the power to release us from these to release us from that kind of prison And sometimes he chooses to, but sometimes he doesn't. But he does promise that that he will be with us. Now, Paul had what he called the thorn in the flesh. Now, books have been written about this, what the thorn in the flesh could be. But the reality is we don't know. We don't know what the thorn, whether it was something physical, whether it was something mental, a situation, whatever it was. But this is how Paul describes his situation. His situation in 2 Corinthians 12 and at verse 7. At 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, it says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on on me. I was I was reading of or listening to a singer songwriter called Darren Hayes. Um, it happened to be on the news. I don't know if any of you saw it, and he has suffered most of his life from a mental illness, and Darren Hayes um, has 
he didn't he didn't actually say what the mental illness was. Uh, perhaps if you are on Google at a later date, you could find out about him. But this is how he described his mental illness. These were his own words. My mental illness is a blessing, a gift, and a curse. And he has used his mental illness to write song after song after song. I've listened to one of his songs, and uh, it's quite powerful. It's not, not the kind of music I would normally listen to, but since I had come across them, it was really quite powerful. And you can see that Paul saw his thorn in the flesh, yes, as a curse, but also he could use it as, as a blessing to know God more. Now, perhaps you're feeling today, whether you're here or online or on the phone, perhaps you're feeling today is you are trapped in a way that you have never come to faith and you're not exactly sure how to do it. But to know that the Lord is amazing at bringing people to faith and he can bring people to faith in the most unusual and the most interesting of ways. And sometimes at the very last minute, like the thief on the cross at the 11th hour. But we can't depend upon that. We can't depend upon having an 11th hour. More than anything, he is keen to bring you to know himself. And isn't it sometimes our reluctance, our feeling of unworthiness that would stop us coming to faith in Christ? And I know the members of this church, the people here, the minister himself, absolutely delighted if they heard one day that you have come to faith. The angels in heaven rejoice, and so would many of us. And to know that no one is excluded from that offer of grace, no one at all. Now, from all eternity, Jesus has been God He is God, he has been God, and he always will be God. Equal status with God the Father, involved in the creation. Why did he leave all of that? For you and for me. No other God in any religion has ever done anything like that. This is the great transfer. He left heaven that we might get there. He became poor so that we might become rich. Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And it's free. It's free. And sometimes we're a bit reluctant when things are free. We think, what's the catch? But it's free for us, but it certainly wasn't free for Jesus. He had the separation from his father. He had the death on the cross. It wasn't free for him. And what does he offer? He offers us forgiveness, freedom, status, a home, family, a future, eternal life. Back to our passage in, in Philippians. And just a little later, just after we finished our reading today, there is a verse I just want to draw your attention to. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
Then, whether I come and see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. The Message Bible says this, live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. It's easy for any one of us to talk the talk, but it's so hard to walk the walk. And I think today we live in a goldfish bowl. And perhaps here on the island, if you're living here on the island, you will know this more than anything. People know your business almost before you do. So people notice they notice what, what you're doing. They even will have noticed this morning that you have got into your car or onto your push bike and you've come to church. People notice far more than we realise. Now, this, this is, can have negative consequences because we can so easily, we can so easily let the Lord down and we can let other people down. But it also is positive to know that he can use even us. And each one of us has a sphere of influence that no one else has. Some big, some small. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are his representatives, his witnesses, wherever we are and wherever we we go. And we've got to realize, if we're Christians today, we've got to realize that we have an enemy. We are in a war, and we can so often forget that. We will be opposed. And therefore, Ephesians 6 is telling us, put on the whole armor of God. And it's a timely reminder that we need that, and we need it every day. It was interesting it was interesting, one of the kids saying it was like a mum having a baby that uh, he was comparing what I was talking to to. And I've got in my notes yet that, as well that talking about a mum having a baby, when you think of all the mum goes through, when you think of the, it can be nine months for some of sickness, it can be nine months or several months of discomfort, And then there's childbirth to go through as well. But I would say, not having ever been a mum myself, but I would say for every single mum, everyone who's ever given birth, that as soon as they hold that baby in their arms, they would say to themselves, I would go through all that again for this. So if you are going through a hard time at the moment, if you're going through a hard time, Listen to what Romans 8 has to say, just to give us an idea about this. Romans 8 and at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom 
and glory of the children of God. Jesus has the power to release us, to release us from circumstances and, as we said, sometimes chooses not to. Jesus opens heaven to us. What a saviour. What an offer. And what is our response? First of all, for the, for the Christian. For the Christian here today or listening in, I just want to quote some words from Winston Churchill. I know it's a strange choice. But Winston Churchill was asked to speak at his old school. He was at Harrow. And he said to the boys, I wish I could do a Winston Churchill accent, but I can't. So he said to the boys, boys, I just want to give you seven words. Seven words, that's all I want to give you. And the same seven words I would like to give to every single Christian, including myself. Never, 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 never give up. For us, to, we are called to stand firm in all circumstances. And secondly, for people who are not yet Christians, and it's great that you're here, it's great that you're listening in, but for you to look at one of the Gospels and just see how incredibly loved you are. And it was for you that Jesus went to the cross. And for every one of us who's a Christian today. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, now and forevermore. Amen.